Hello, greetings, and welcome to Episode 3 of Be Healthy, the Shaolin Way. I'm Farrell Moore, and I'm a monk at the Shaolin Temple in Westland, Michigan, and I am a diabetic. But I've had a sea change in my health over the last two years, from out-of-control blood sugar readings to an A1C reading from my blood sugar to 5.8. That's considered perfectly normal all because I changed my way of eating. How did I change my way of eating, you might ask? I went on a no or rather low carbohydrate diet. Plus, I quit eating sugar-filled fruits like bananas and pineapples. Needless to say, I gave up sugar also. Instead, I sweetened my coffee and other things with stevia. But the key was a low carbohydrate diet. That and constant monitoring of my blood sugar. This is part of the Shaolin way. Whatever works, use it. In our last episode, I said that the low carbohydrate diet was effective for me in getting my blood sugar under control. That said, only you and your doctor can determine if it is effective for you. But I can guarantee you of one thing. Once you try it and see the results, you'll never go back. You'll have to give up your potatoes, mashed, baked, boiled, potatoes au gratin. You've got to give it all up. Also, you'll have to give up all bread products. Seriously. You'll have to give up all pasta products too. No fettuccine noodles, no lasagna. You'll have to give up everything. And finally, you'll have to give up all rice. White rice and brown rice both drive up your blood sugar and all fruits because they cause your blood sugar to spike also. You trade in that for a high-protein, high-fat, vegetable-driven lifestyle. Once you get by the shock of it all and settle into it, it's not so bad. What you'll say, giving up all potatoes, breads, noodles, and rice products, is not so bad. Why don't you try giving it all up, and then you can talk about it. But remember, I did already give it up. You can give it up too. It's not as hard as it seems. The first step for eating healthy is what can we eat? For starters, we can eat any type of protein such as meat. Meat barely affects your blood sugar. Yogurt, the Greek kind of yogurt with no sugar additives, no fruits added, is also acceptable. Soy products, uh, tofu is acceptable. Vegetables are safe too. You can eat all vegetables all day long and not impact your blood sugar. In some beans, you can have spinach, mushrooms, green beans, cauliflower, raw celery, cooked cabbage, and broccoli, to name a few. You can also have nuts, hazelnuts, macadamia nuts, almonds, pecans, peanuts, and all the walnuts you can eat. You can't, however, have cashew nuts because of their high sugar load. That's because all of the aforementioned foods have a glycemic index of precisely zero. Low, medium, and high glycemic indexes are low glycemic index, 55 or less. Medium glycemic index, 56 to 69. High glycemic index, 70 or greater. What is a glycemic index? Let's see what the website eatright.org says about it. 
The glycemic index, simply put, is a measure of how quickly a food causes our blood sugar levels to rise. The measure ranks food on a scale of 0 to 100. Foods with a high glycemic index, or GI, are quickly digested and absorbed, causing a rapid rise in blood sugar. These foods that rank high on the GI scale are often, but not always, high in processed carbohydrates and sugars. Pretzels, for example, have a glycemic index of 83, which is very, very bad. Meanwhile, foods with a low glycemic index are digested and absorbed at a slower rate and subsequently cause a slower rise in blood sugar levels. These are typically rich in fiber, protein, and or fat. Examples of these include apples with a glycemic index of 28, Greek-style yogurt at 11, and peanuts at 7. Keep in mind that a low GI doesn't mean a food is high in nutrients, though. You will still need to choose healthy foods from all above five food groups. Glycemic index is an imperfect system, but a useful tool. A food's GI ranking only depends when a food is consumed on an empty stomach without any other type of food. As anyone who's ever eaten food knows, this isn't always how we eat. Pair a high GI food with a lean steak or a piece of salmon, a side of broccoli, and a salad with vinaigrette, and the protein, fiber, and fat all will serve to lower the glycemic index of that meal. Let me repeat that. Pair a high GI food with a lean steak or a piece of salmon, a side of broccoli and a salad with vinaigrette, and the protein, fiber, and fat all will serve to lower the glycemic index of the meal. In addition, the glycemic index doesn't take into account how much we're actually consuming. The GI value of a food is determined by giving people a serving of the food that contains 50 grams of carbohydrate minus the fiber, then measuring the effect on their blood glucose levels over the next two hours. A serving of 50 grams of carbohydrate in one setting may be reasonable for a food such as rice, which has 53 grams of carbs per cup. But for beets, a glycemic index rating of 64 is a little misleading, since beets have just 13 grams of carbohydrate per cup. We would need to consume nearly four cups of beets in order to cause that spike in blood sugar levels. There is an alternative to glycemic index, also imperfect. Glycemic load, or GL, is a formula that corrects for potentially misleading GI by combining portion size and GI into one number. The carbohydrate content of the actual serving is multiplied by the food's GI, then that number is divided by 100. For a cup of beets, the GL would be 13 times 64, equals 832 divided by 100, a glycemic load of 8.3. As a frame of reference, a GL higher than 20 is considered high. Between, between 11 and 19 is considered moderate, and 10 or less is considered low. So honestly, our beats will be considered low. The bottom line, even though the glycemic index isn't a perfect system, it can be a useful tool to identify high, low glycemic foods that often are more nutrient dense, as well as foods are higher 
and refined carbohydrates. There are lists of glycemic index and GLs of foods all over the web. Just type in the words glycemic index or glycemic load and voila, you'll find them. But let's take a further minute to consider what glycemic load is. The glycemic load is a real world estimate of what the impact of certain foods is on you. But wait, to get an idea of which is better for you to estimate with, take what the Glycemic Index Foundation says into account. They say that similar to the glycemic index, the glycemic load of a food can be classified as low, medium, or high. Low is 10 or less, medium is 11 to 19, and high is 20 or more. The GL of a mixed meal or diet can be simply calculated by summing together the GL values for each ingredient or component. For example, and I know this is hard to um, take when I read it off to you, but if you listen carefully, you'll understand. For example, if breakfast value is composed of two wheat biscuits, GL of, 150, GL of 15, half a cup of milk, GL of four, and two teaspoons of sugar, GL of six, its overall GL would be 25, which is unacceptably high. Really, truly it is. For the whole day, a low glycemic load has a GL less than 100. For people consuming 8,700 kilojoules, therefore, for people consuming three meals per day, a low GL meal would have a glycemic load of 33. For optimal health, you should aim to keep your daily glycemic load under 100. Now, should I use GI or GL? Although the GL concept has been useful in scientific research, it's the GI, the glycemic index, that's proven most helpful to people with diabetes and those who are overweight. That's because a diet with a low GL unfortunately, can be a mixed bag full of healthy, low glycemic index carbs in some cases, but too high in protein and low in carbs and full of the wrong sorts of fats, i.e. saturated, such as those found in some discretionary foods. If you use the GI as it was originally intended to choose the lower GI option within a food group or category, you usually select the one with the lowest GL anyway because foods are grouped together for a reason because they contain similar nutrients, including amounts of carbohydrate. So if you choose healthy, low GI foods, at least one at each meal, chances are you're eating a diet that not only keeps blood glucose on an even keel, but contains balanced amounts of carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Are you confused yet? Well, let's just stick with the glycemic index as the most useful tool for picking and choosing what foods to eat. And we should choose only those foods with a low glycemic index. I don't say that the Shaolin way is for everyone. Only the most committed need apply their ways to foods. Some of you might have distorted views of what a Shaolin would eat. For example, some believe that the Shaolin survive only on a diet of rice and beans. That is nonsense, of course. White rice is anathema to diabetics, and a Shaolin can just as easily be diabetic as anyone else. Others believe that a Shaolin eats no meat. That is nonsense too. Many, not all, Shaolin are Buddhists and don't eat meat as a matter of their religious preference, but just as many do. Not all Shaolin are Buddhist. 
A Shaolin is above all else reasonable. If a Shaolin is diabetic or pre-diabetic, they must, for their health, practice good eating habits. And that means restricting their carbohydrates to nearly zero. They must be practitioners of what is called today a ketogenic diet. What is a ketogenic diet? I'll tell you in the next episode. Stay tuned for episode four of Eating Healthy, The Shaolin Way.